Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, Feely Humans. Welcome to another episode of... You, me, empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator and host of this show. I am also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, where we collectively get mushy and messy and grapple with the beautiful powers of empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. Um, We got some exciting things happening in the Feely Human world coming up in October. So if you want to stay in touch and be uh, first to hear about that, make sure to sign up for the newsletter. If you go to feelyhuman.co and click on the banner there, you can sign up for the newsletter. That would be wonderful. Uh, This is a wonderful conversation. Uh, This is episode 232, uh, talking about relationship empathy, married at first sight, and the four intimacy styles with Dr. Viviana Coles. Dr. Viviana and I explore the performing we do early in relationships, the adorable story of how Viviana met her husband, what Viviana has learned about human connection and empathy in relationships through being a panelist on the television show Married at First Sight, and Viviana's wonderful book, The Four Intimacy Styles. Uh, Dr. Viviana is a relationship therapist, a sex therapist. She's wonderful. I really enjoyed this wayward, beautiful conversation. If you aren't a, a, a watcher, a viewer of Married at First Sight, um, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating show. Dr. Viviana was part of the show for a number of seasons and has since left. She announced her sort of parting ways amicably, lovingly uh, back in July. But uh, it's a fascinating show. And I think a couple of seasons are on Netflix and you can watch them on Lifetime, I believe. But very fascinating show. We we talk about that. We talk about in- intimacy. We talk about relationships. Uh, it's lovely. It was a lovely conversation. Before we get to the episode, though, uh, just a reminder to please leave a rating and review for Yumi Empathy in uh, in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Uh, there are thousands of you who listen, and we only have uh, we don't even have two hundred reviews. So, uh, I know that some of you listen and aren't reviewing, so please review. I know, I know, I'm always bringing it up. It's probably annoying. I might get some unsubscribes, but for an independent podcaster like me, I get no help. It's just me. I do all the editing. I do all the promo. It's just me and these wonderful guests like Dr. Viviana. So, if you have a few minutes, please do so. Take a moment to uh, leave the podcast a rating and review. It does truly help. I appreciate it. And the reason, I mean, 
I'll just say the reason for leaving a review is is folks see it. Uh, the more reviews, the more it sort of climbs the charts in Apple, and the more people can possibly listen to the show, which is what this is about. It's not about numbers, but it is about having these vulnerable conversations and allowing for others on the other end, listeners like you, to say, "Oh, wow, I relate to that," or "Oh, that." I see that. I see my pers- my myself in that person. And that's the beauty of empathy and the connection we have together. So please, if you can, leave a rating and review. Make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. As I mentioned, top of the page at feelyhuman.co. Click that banner. And um, yeah, thank you for being a part of the community. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming in October. If you're at all interested in being a beta user for this new community I'm building, uh, just email me. Just email me at uh, feelyhuman at gmail.com or youmeempathy at gmail.com. One of those two email addresses. If you're interested in being a beta user, someone who tests out the community before it launches to the public, let me know. All right, let's get to the episode. This is episode 232 on relationship empathy, married at first sight, and the four intimacy styles with Dr. Viviana Coles. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in each of us because each of us in all of our kaleidoscopic parts makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I'm grateful, excited, and overwhelmed at first sight because I'm here with marriage and family therapist, relationship and sex therapist, and intimacy, intimacy expert on Lifetime's hit show, Married at First Sight. It's Dr. Viviana Coles. Hello. Hi, Noon. Thanks for having me on. And I am really excited about this more than other times that I've spoken to people on podcasts because I feel like I have no idea what we're going to get into. <laughs> the unknown. It's the unknown. I lo- I mean, uh, that's where we find the magic, right? Is in the mystery. And and it, it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little vulnerable. But it's that's 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 where we find the gems, I think. So we always kick off the show, Viviana, with an emotional check-in. So how are you okay. feeling? Um, I'm kind of... I, I guess emotionally, I'm feeling really excited. 
um, a little bit more anxious than normal. There are a bunch of changes that are, I can't say a bunch of changes. There's one big change that's about to happen um, that by the time this podcast airs, everyone will know about. Uh, but I, it's been weird keeping a secret, okay. <laughs> a secret, and, and I can't really share it with you, but I can tell you that it, it causes me both anxiety and excitement um, because I don't like lying and uh-huh. I've had to lie for a while. <laughs> is this a personal thing or is it related to the show or? It's both. It's okay. actually both, um, but mainly professional just in general. And, and everything that I tend to do or work on becomes personal because it absolutely ends up involving my family life and my home life and uh, seeps into where I focus my energy. Mm-hmm. And so every I like to think that everything that I work on is very personal, regardless of if it's business or otherwise. But yeah, it's I feel like my life is very much interconnected. Everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so that's the sort of thing where um, I feel like this is just a lot of excitement wrapped up with anxiety and and again the unknown so those two feelings often go hand in hand the excitement and the the anxiety i i I empathize i i know that feeling well um let's talk about the piece of like what is what is interesting in what you're saying is this idea around how we show up in the world, especially in our personal lives, in our public lives, in our work lives. I tend to feel, and I wonder what you think about this, that it's hard to separate those things, right? Very. And and I I feel like workspaces, as an example, it it feels like there is... I feel like workspaces are getting better at this, but there has been a legacy of, of sort of censoring or bypassing our wholeness as people. We have to show up a certain way. We have to like act a certain way. Uh, a lot of that has been tied to certain forms of like exclusion and division. But I want to show up in my whole humanity. And that's the exciting part of like spaces that feel safe. Tell me a little bit about your experience with, with that as a therapist. Yeah. As a therapist, I feel like I've had to definitely be more conscious of my just the way that I present myself with clients um, at Houston Relationship Therapy, which is my private practice. One of the rules that we have as a staff or guide, you know, guiding principles that we have as a staff is, is that we don't want our clients to be distracted by who we are as a person. Mm-hmm. We want them to truly be able to focus on their issues, on um, on being in, being present, like you mentioned before, being present. And so, one of the things that we've had to do is, you know, we have little rules. Like it's not like a uniform, but it's definitely a, a dress code. Mm-hmm. No cleavage. No open toe shoes. Um, We don't wear any skirts that fall above the, I guess, the shin. (laughs) We we wear pants usually. Um, We always want to look like we smell good (laughs) and clean. We want to look clean. 
we just, and our makeup and our jewelry needs to be somewhat understated, but it needs to be present. Mm. And all of that is to say, it's not so much to limit us, it's to, or to kind of put us into a box, but it's to make it to where there isn't anything super significant about our appearance that anybody's going to focus on. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and because of the subject matter that we tend to work with, which is sexuality and intimacy and oftentimes the lack thereof, we don't want people to see us as sexual, as sexual beings. Obviously, we are. But in the yeah. room, it's not about us being sexual yeah. objects or sexual beings. And so that's one of the things that we do to combat that. And it actually works pretty well. We don't tend to have any issues with transference or counter-transference or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Knock on wood, right? Yeah. Um, but that's, that makes sense. that's one of those, it's like our personhood is evident in our empathy and in the way mm. that we're able to relate um, the issue at hand to, you know, and normalizing it. But we don't yeah. tend to talk about ourselves as therapists. We don't tend to disclose. Like I, I, and, and I have those boundaries in the public eye as well as, you know, being on the show, having kind of this public persona, I'm, I am very protective of my home life and I'm protective. A lot of people don't even know that I have kids. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that I'm married and, you know, I have two kids and I've been married for 15 years. So I, I just tend to protect that yeah. because I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to fall. I don't want to be like, Oh, I'll deal with the issue when it shows up now. I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many other things where that I want to be able to work with openly and freely and be vulnerable yeah. that with my personal life, not so much. That makes sense. Especially since on one level you have the sexuality, you have the relationship stuff, intimacy stuff, which is deeply vulnerable and 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 rooted in a lot of shame for people and rooted and there could be that transference piece. So like having that um, coming in with the expectation or with the, uh, you know, as you put it, like this sort of understated uniform to sort of dispel any of that, I think is an act of empathy because you're sort of like, let's, let's, that's, that's not here. This is about you. I'm not centering myself here. And then you being on this show, right? Like that puts you in the public space. And so, which is very different. It's Actually, very different. I feel very yeah. differently about the way that I present myself on TV okay. versus in therapy. Mm. Um, on TV, I definitely want to feel like um, I-, I want it to be kind of this. I want to be seen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I want to, and, and, when you're on TV, attention goes to people that you want to look at, um, whether it's because they stand out because they've got a nice voice or that, you know, personality can come through, but not as much as the way that you express yourself through your clothing or through the, your style. Gotcha. So I have totally embraced that. Um, it was never something that they asked me to do, <laughs> but I just said, you know what? I get to dress so boring every day at work and at home. Uh, especially through a pandemic, I'm going to have so much fun with my style and the way that I dress and really tap into things that I would never wear in therapy <laughs> Yeah, when I'm on TV. And, and it's a lot of fun. I get to express my a different side of myself in a way that I think is professional and classy, but definitely a much louder look than I would uh-huh. at home. Yeah. 
Uh, that's interesting. I, I, that makes sense. That makes sense. You get to, you're wearing a, I mean, a costume is not the right word, but like you get to, you get to be, yeah. explore different parts of yourself or your interests in a way that's in this container of being on television. Right. Um, that's cool. That's cool. So the first, I, uh, just like setting the context, I am, married i've been married for in a couple of weeks will be 12 years oh my with my partner jessica and marriage is hard uh and and wonderful and all of the above things right um i first saw uh your show uh married at first sight on netflix actually when when i guess oh, like a couple months ago oh season 10 okay season, season 10. 10 i watched In we watched Washington. season 10 and it, i had never heard of the show but from a just a someone who's like has been steeped in mental health advocacy and is interested in psychology and all these things, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating show. So I guess putting that to you, like what how did you become a part of it? Like what was your interest in it? Did you have an interest in it before you became part of it? I guess were you there season one? I don't. I don't know because I haven't I seen not. season one. I was yeah. not actually the. Um, my first season was season nine. Okay. And um, that was actually the first season that was out on Netflix, and it actually gotcha. really helped to bring people to the franchise of Married at First Sight and to see it. Yeah. Um, and then season ten has done the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. two years after season nine came out, season ten came out, and uh, even people who don't watch live are totally falling in love with the show through Netflix or through streaming services, even though Hulu and other ones have had all of them forever, but I guess Netflix is just such a huge platform. Yeah. So for me, I came on um, when there was an opening for an expert and I had already been in contact with the production company for about two years prior and had didn't have anything come of that. And the reason that I reached out to them two years prior was because for the previous four years, I actually went back and looked because I get this question so often. For the previous four years, I had been approached by different production companies who were looking for experts in relationships and sex and intimacy. And I, they would find me online and they would reach out and say, hey, we're trying to get a show going. We'd love to interview for it. And this was very much Skype and all mm-hmm. of that. But prior um, they're always ahead of that. So they, they've been using <laughs> Skype to get these things done for a long time. Yeah, And nothing ever came of that. But what it did help me to understand through the experiences of saying, yes, I'll, I'll help you to try to do this, even if I don't end up on, on a TV show, is that I learned how to talk about what I do and what I do with clients in a very succinct way. Mm. And in a way that was relatable to lots of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't really something that a lot of people have to do. They, they don't often have to talk about their profession as often, I think, as someone like I do on TV has to do. And so I got really good at that. And I remember thinking, you know, I've just had my fourth production company in the past four years or three years or whatever, uh, reach out to me and say, hey, we think you'd be great to try to get the show on TV. And why don't I see what happens when I reach out to a production company who already has some great programming, who's already established and already has TV shows. And that's what I did. And within 
a week I had already met with them. And then, but it wasn't until two years down the road when there was an opening on the expert panel that um, they said, we want you. And I was available. And then five days after I signed my contract, I was filming. So (laughs) yeah. So So yeah, it's so fascinating. And, and I was very curious about that. So for the listeners, if you aren't aware the the conceit of the show is that folks will there's a panel of experts and a bunch of people will apply to this show right and people who want to be in a marriage who want to be in a partnership and uh, people but who people who have struggled right very and, much so. <laughs> yeah. and relationship experts and you and others and therapists sort of like do their uh, sort of data crunching and then they pair people mm-hmm. and then the first time they see each other is on their wedding day and then they get married. And then the rest of the show is this fascinating sort of, how long is it? Eight weeks? It's eight weeks. Eight weeks period where they are filmed and they live together and they go on a honeymoon and uh, they do all the things that a lot of newlyweds things. do. Yeah. But it's this, it's this wild bonkers, like time crunch of a process, right? Uh, which is so fascinating to me. To you, Viviana, like what have you learned from the perspective of like human connection and what that means in sort of being witness to, I guess, these couples the past couple of years? Well, I love that I can get deep with this um, with you because I think that what I found so fascinating is that there is such a tightrope walk. Um, between trying to share and be vulnerable and be who you authentically are mm. and being who you think a, mar- a good married, healthy, you know, relationship person is. And yep. it's all having to happen at the exact same time. You're having to make those split second decisions. These participants are obviously very brave, um, but to walk that line on TV, like documented on camera with someone new that they are legally married to, I'm always in, in awe of them. I really are. What I really am, whether they are, um, whether they're doing it gracefully or not, whether they're successful or not, I'm always in awe of the choices and how quickly they're able to make the choice of I'm going to share who I am, but I'm also going to be conscious that I might be a different person when I'm with you. Mm. And a lot of people, I don't think ever really consider how difficult that is. A lot mm. of, a lot of our viewers who are, I guess, online and who are talking about the show because the show has a really big following online, obviously much more uh, large following is not online, but the ones who talk online, I've seen some of the conversations and in my comments and there, everybody has kind of this, opinion right and it's it is their opinion of how they should be doing this process sure and anyone who's been through this process which is a select few they would tell you you can say that you would do this you can say that you would do that or not do this or not do that but you don't know until you're in it even yeah. as an expert on a panel of three i can tell you the way that i would do things is probably different than pastor cal and the way that dr pepper would do it and mm-hmm. And that's just among the three of us. So I, I'm just always in awe of how they make those choices because, you know, they are married. There's no like, okay, cut. <laughs> what do we do now? And it's not yeah. scripted. Yeah. 
it's so fascinating the the piece the 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 two sides you're talking about the one wanting to be vulnerable enough to show your partner your whole self but also not knowing them really very well yet right and so there's naturally going to be that armor there's naturally going to be some even performance there right like trying to like oh sort of guess what this person wants me to be and i certainly remember doing that early in my relationship there was a lot of performance a lot of like um probably people pleasing and a little codependency you know a little bit right and so what's fascinating about the show is that it is such a short time period and it's why i'm grateful that like there are regular check-ins with you and with the other uh experts to to reflect because there are moments when i was watching it i'm just like i get frustrated right like oh why would you do that but then like you said i i can't go there i have to take a step back and understand well i'm not in this uh, cooking you know this time bomb of a pressure situation being on camera and then seeing you know um certain people be, you know getting upset by the cameras which is understandable right like it's it's, it's stressful <laughs> it's stressful yeah i mean well, it's I think- stressful to find love right this idea of finding love and then you add the layer of like oh we're going to show the world it's stressful how you do that exactly yeah. and then of course you know, I think what makes this this particular process so much more intense than maybe other marriage shows or dating shows is that they they are they are legally married, and I know we say it over and over again, but there are still people who DM me like, "Well, if they're not really married, then I'm like, oh gosh, no, no, they are." Yeah. So we're talking about people who are now only able to determine their own their own futures and their own outcomes legally. Mm. I mean, nobody could force you or I to leave our respective spouses. Like nobody can do that. I mean, I know I'm married and I don't know if you are legally married, but yes. Yes. So nobody can take you to the courthouse and force you to do anything. Yep. But I, and I think that what, what I find is that their determination to see where could this go? Where could, where could this go in a few short weeks or a few short months? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's where I think a lot of people stay in situations that they're like, ah, this marriage is not serving me well, but, but what's a few more weeks? What could happen? Right. Uh, we're talking about weeks. We're not talking about years or months. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that every day in married at first sight marriage is like a month. Yep. It, it, that's what that's what our participants have said. It's like so dog years. Exactly. So mm-hmm. as a therapist, you know, I can share, hey, you're going down an unhealthy road. This isn't okay. I can't imagine that your partner feels validated or respected by you when this is going on. But if their partner is saying, I feel like there's something more to explore here and I want to give them a chance to change or mm-hmm. let's see what it is that I can do to help them not respond in this way that maybe they've responded that way in every other relationship. Who am I to tell them, no, we're marching over to the courthouse and we're going to make you divorce. Like that, yeah. that just doesn't work. And as a therapist, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. I love that. 
So my, my partner, Jessica, um, asked me when we first met, like, was it, did you feel it right away? And the answer was like, honestly, yes. I'm telling you, Viviana, honestly, yes. Like it was, it was one of those things where I was just like, okay, this feels right. And I was in my later twenties, right. At that point, I think we're about the same age. Um, and it felt right, but like, of course that doesn't always happen. Right. So are you, are you open to sharing about your, I mean, personal relationship, like how, how you met your husband and what it was like when you first met? Yeah, we have what I think is a sweet story. Um, my husband, I was in sixth grade and he was in seventh grade and it was our first day. It was his first day at my school. And I remember seeing him at the top of the stairs and just being like, okay, that's, that's a weird feeling I'm having. Um, <laughs> and you're in sixth is, grade. So you're and I'm in what, sixth grade. 14, 12, I was 12. 12 yeah. Okay. 12. Yeah. yeah. I was 12 and he was 13. And I remember thinking, okay, this is like the cutest guy that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, he looked back at me and I didn't realize that he was whispering to a friend. They had just made a bet for $5 as to who would get my number first. <laughs> and I, I remember I was like, okay, this is interesting. So we went to class. But since that day, we were, that was it. Like, mm-hmm. wow. First kiss, first love, first all of that. And I just felt, it, I mean, I, that was my template for love. I had had crushes before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always, I, it's funny, especially now that I have a teenage daughter, but I've always felt very in tune with love and romantic love. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. always felt like that's something that's been in my sphere of experience and hmm. um, not so much boy crazy, quote unquote, yeah. but, yeah. but just in that, like, I don't know. And I, I think because my parents have been married forever, they met when they were 16. Again, the role models around me and all of my aunts and uncles, like there, it was, you meet someone young, you marry them. Love was in now, the air. <laughs> love was in the air. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that I would fall in love. Now that said, after about a year and a half of dating, we got caught kissing in the chapel. <laughs> And my parents said, okay, no, that's not going to happen. And they actually yanked me out of that school that I had been to since I was in first grade and mm-hmm. sent me to the all girls private Catholic school down the road. Okay. And because, because you were kissing or because you were in the chapel, was it the kissing? <laughs> no, it, it was definitely the kissing yeah. in private that yeah. they were concerned about and what that could possibly lead to Sure, um, that could make, you know, my entire life trajectory change. And I don't blame them, especially being in the profession that I'm in now. I think it's really important that they realized, okay, we need to make some changes for you because you're obviously more than in love with this person. And Mm. we, we know that if, if this is where you're at right now in seventh grade at that point, High school, shoot. I mean, yeah. teen pregnancy happens all the time. And, yeah. you know, and and on top of that, I don't know that they necessarily wanted me to have the same exact experience of meeting somebody when you're 16, marrying when you're 20, mm. and really never having experienced any other types of relationships uh, romantically. So they had to make very quick decisions. I'm really glad that they did. I think having 
and at that point, no, no phones. I didn't have a car. So yeah. we just kind of grew apart. And then 10 years later, we each had our own lives and we, there was a reunion and we just, it you know, by the end of the night, we're talking and everybody's just looking at us like, yep, that's about right. <laughs> and six months later, we eloped. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. And now we have a daughter going to that same private school. Oh, so. <laughs> that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. So it, I love it, that. It, it was a really positive, I've had really positive experiences in the few but very strong romantic relationships that I've had. And um, that's why I kind of feel like I want that for other people. Not that I want everybody <laughs> to have what I have, right. but I want them to feel like being with someone else can happen. Yeah. And it can be forever. You know, I have, to, but it is work. We were talking about this. It is work. It is. I can't say that it's always hard work if you keep it at top of mind, but that's how it is with anything. If you're yeah. practicing, if you have a routine, if you're, you know, educating yourself, if you're communicating about something, it makes it a little bit easier to have it be a regular part of your life. It's the same thing, I think, with marriage and relationships. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's with people and in connection with people's how we grow as humans right so doing it alone is 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 hard and 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 really i think we're kind of useless alone <laughs> to be honest i think i think we need each other and so whether it's it's it, the institution of marriage or a partnership whatever that looks like i think we need people we need humans in our in our sphere um what so what have you, what, one thing that I've been sort of talking about with Jessica is this, I, cause I've changed, I'm 40, I'll be 41 in July. I've changed over the last decade immeasurably, like yeah. tons, just so much change. And it's been beautiful change. And with change, as you know, comes grief and loss and all these things. Right. And at times it's been hard for Jessica. Right. And we've talked about it and been open about it. How have you changed in your relationship? And and has you becoming sort of more of a public figure? Has that been hard on your relationship? Has that been, you know, what have the conversations have been like? Yeah, that's, again, you have some really great questions because I don't often get asked this, but I feel it. Um, I've definitely, over time, I feel like in my personal life and who I am as a wife, I've kind of relaxed into it more. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've kind of like the building of trust has allowed me to just not take everything and say, forecast 10 years down the road, which again <laughs> is something that a lot of newlyweds do Absolutely. In, in the process of married at first sight. It's, it's the same way where they think, oh, this person talked to me like that. Well, that's how it, I mean, or this person only wants to spend money on this. Well, that's how it's going to be forever. And I find that I've, I've had to really kind of say, no, who we are right now is not going to be the same person that we're going to be after we have a child, after we move across the country, after we change our jobs, like yep. we have to be okay with saying, and I'll speak for myself. I know that I've had to be okay with saying it doesn't always have to be the way that I want it to be for it to mm. be really good. 
Mm. And when you have a partner that you can trust and who you really truly feel and have evidence through action that they want you to be happy and they want you to feel at ease in your life. And it's not all about, you know, jumping through hoops or proving yourself. (laughs) You can just kind of relax back and things kind of come to you and joy comes to you. Yeah. And so that's how I feel like I've changed as a wife is I just kind of let go a lot more than I think I did when I, because, you know, he, he met me and I was going through grad school for marriage and family therapy. So this is very top of mind. Right. Um, I was already a certified sex therapist at that point, but um, which was, I think, a trip to tell him that because he was like, wait, what? You do what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me tell you what it's not. Okay. And then that's all you need to know. But um, he's also, I think we're just, we communicate so much, even if it's nonverbal, we communicate so much that every once in a while, and I will tell you, traveling for mm. this show in particular, because we film two seasons a year, I was doing a second show called Married at First Sight Unmatchables. Mm. Um, And I mean, there was a lot of time apart, a lot of, you know, just time away from home. And, and we were able to stay connected. But there were times where there was like a, okay, we have to have a date night right now. (laughs) Or, or can we talk? Like, what's going on? And I feel that again, you know, when you're both conscious of the needs of your relationship, then you don't let it go too far. And that's one of the things when he gets asked, what's it like being married to a marriage therapist? And he'll say, well, we don't let things get out of hand. We tend to nip things in the bud really quickly. And that may not happen um, if it's not on top of mind for most people. I love this idea of uh, sort of softening and, and, and and taking a little bit of the pressure off your shoulders as you deepen into a relationship. That's like a really beautiful vision of what a relationship could be because as you know, like there is that anxiety, there is that pressure, there is that maybe even control response that we want early on in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And as you build that trust and as you deepen that love and and get better at communicating with each other and knowing what you want and knowing what your partner wants, it just, it gets easier and you can soften. And with the softening comes a even a deeper capacity for growth, which is amazing. Well, I think so too. And it's interesting because I think if I looked at my, at my husband's position on this, I don't know that he would describe it the same way, but what I've at least noticed of who he's become as a husband and as a true partner is that he's he likes, hmm, I don't know if he likes to, but he has been able to kind of help me with limits. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kind of grounds me. Not, mm. not that that's his job or that it's become his job now that I'm like all over the place, but he does tend to with like a look or maybe just a well-placed pause in a sentence, he will let me know, okay, it's great to dream big, but how is that going to work? Yes. Because <laughs> I have, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Professionally, I feel like I have grown so much just creatively. I feel like I've grown so much. I've also, my confidence has never been better or, or 
higher. Like I just, I feel, and, and it has nothing to do with being in the public eye because a lot of the things that I'm talking about are projects that people don't know anything about unless they're working directly with me. But yeah. it just feels so good to help people. And when you can really help people and you get the response that you want, it's so rewarding. And I feel like mm. that's what feeds me. Mm. That, that probably feeds my ego more than anything else. I mean, obviously my husband and the kids are, are in my family. I can't even, my whole family is amazing. But what I, what I think really feeds my ego is knowing that there is a positive outcome from the help that I'm giving others. Mm. Uh, some, I mean, sometimes it's not like the intended outcome, but it, it definitely happens. Yeah. And that like, and I think that's the high that I'm always chasing now that I think about it. No, I relate to um, that. Really? I relate. Tell I me do. How, how? Well, I, you know, so with this show I've been doing, this podcast you're on, Yumi Empathy, I've been doing for the past four and a half years. And I created it because I, I wanted to give people a space to be vulnerable and feel you know, as safe as possible in their feelings and in their mental health and in all of it, which is not something I had growing up. It was a very violent childhood. Um, and so... And now I'm leading empathy workshops and emotional curiosity workshops and stuff around Southern California. And it's beautiful. And when I when when I am like talking about empathy and some, you know, recently this happened a couple of weeks ago. I led this empathy workshop and this, uh, and I'll mention her in a bit later. Uh, but this this beautiful person named Natalie who became disabled through the pandemic because of covid was there and she uh she was giving herself this beautiful grace and empathy and she said something i didn't know what i didn't know which is just this beautiful act of self empathy and i was i was like welling up and she was welling up and it's just like there are moments like that that i live for because it's like Empathy, I feel like, is 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 a crucial part of any relationship. It's a crucial part of of living, and so that's the stuff that lights me up, and I want more and more of. Um, but yeah, I relate like heart to heart so deeply with what you're saying, and I would love to hear from your perspective on like how in your personal life or on the show, however you want to take it, how empathy plays a role in relationships. Well, I can tell you that I had to really, uh, it, some of it was intentional research, but most of it was just through work with my clients. Um, when I was writing the Four Intimacy Styles book um, mm -hmm. over the course of the pandemic, I remember thinking, I know that people don't get into relationships hoping for them to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. that most people... Uh, the vast majority of people, when a relationship ends, I, I don't think that they always know why, but they can pinpoint that there are a few causes that mm -hmm. tend to, to lead towards the demise of a relationship. But what I think a lot of people don't do that I'm hoping that the four intimacy styles will help them do is to understand that just because someone experiences a different, uh, I guess, motivation for sex than they do, mm -hmm. that it doesn't make them wrong, that it doesn't make them less than. And 
it, and what I'm really trying to do is get people to be, to experience empathy for different motivators for sex. You know, the four of them are bonding, release, giving, and responsive. Mm. That, that all of them are equally important. And that if they're, if all four are present in an ideal world, round out your intimacy style and make it 25% of each and have that be present in every sexual experience, then you can rest more assured that you're going to be able to have your physical connection withstand the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I find that if somebody is able to take a step back and say, just because it doesn't, it doesn't, sex doesn't mean to, to my partner exactly what it means to me. That doesn't mean I can't honor it because you have to, you're going to have to honor somebody else's feelings in order mm-hmm. to remain connected to them. Yeah. The minute you don't respect someone, that's it. Yeah. And if it continues to happen over and over again, it becomes abusive. Mm-hmm. And that hopefully um, somebody will put an end to it by ending the relationship. Yeah. But yeah, what I'm really, what I've really been trying to do is get people to understand that there is a way to show empathy sexually without it meaning that you're compromising yourself or that you're disrespecting yourself or that you're, you know, kind of letting go of your own wants and needs that it's okay to think about somebody else and it's okay for them to think about you. Well, and it can happen simultaneously. It can happen all at once, right? I mean, empathy is not, um, or empathy is something that has to come with uh, self-awareness, right? Like we have to go inward before we go outward. So we have to know what we like sexually and therefore, you know, that will help us sort of integrate that with someone who has a different intimacy style, right? Yeah. Well, um, and as a certified sex therapist, I'm always dealing with people who maybe their sexual desires look different than mine, but that sure. doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't seek out services you know, for sexual help because they think that they're going to be judged. And fortunately, you know, somebody who's certified like myself or, or through a, and through a reputable program, um, you know, I, I have a certification program called the National Sex Therapy Institute. And we're very sex positive, but we understand that as a clinician, just because it's okay for somebody else doesn't mean that it's okay with you, but that doesn't mean you can't be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we are people <laughs> and we yeah. do have our own sexuality and our own um, limits and restrictions and things that we like and things that we don't. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people do feel like therapists there. I think there are two camps. One mm-hmm. is that a therapist can only be helpful if they've gone through what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And then other people are like, they realize what I, I tend to kind of, gravitate towards is the idea that no, I actually don't think you need to have gone through what I do because I want to go through this without you imposing the way that you did things, <laughs> you know, I, it yeah. doesn't, which I think a lot of people will say, Oh, I only want to go see a therapist for my marriage. If they've been married, well, they can certainly be helpful even if they haven't, because your marriage is not going to be like their marriage, no matter what. I think that's where, Empathy can be truly transformative in that it's not, I always say it in my workshop, it's not just about the shoes. Yes, that can be a part of it, but like we are, we are 
we contain multitudes as humans, right? We like we can go there emotionally if we do the work. Like we can understand on a human level so many uh, uh, parts of the human experience, mm -hmm. and there's a piece of it there too. You made me think of it, you know, in regards to like wanting to see a therapist who's gone through the same experience. There's also a thing that we do culturally where we we want to like. Um, valorize people in sort of high esteem places like a therapist who has all our doctorates like you you're a very uh uh you know uh credentialed and you have your doctorate and your masters and it's it's a wonderful thing and as humans we can learn from everyone right yeah. it's like it's this idea that like you know you can't learn from a kid or something right and i think like that's just you're just shutting your down you're shutting yourself down for possible growth right open mind is, is what I say. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I think that the people who go through not just the married at first, at first sight process, but also maybe first time therapy clients, open mind is super important because mm -hmm. if you, if you go into it thinking, I only want to hear this, well, you don't need to go to a therapist to do that. And you don't need to spend time and money <laughs> to do that. You can go to a best friend, you can go to your family member and say, Right, right. I'm thinking this right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We need all of them. Yes, you we can have that end. <laughs> yes, yes. So, this book for intimacy, the four intimacy styles for intimacy. I can't say the word for intimacy styles. Uh, how's that been going? Like, you wrote a book in the pandemic, which is a wonderful achievement. Like, how has the book tour been going? How you know? How do you feel about it? Well, I didn't really know what, I didn't have any like goals or expectations for it because um, I, I just knew that I wanted to own it and I wanted to be able Love to that. do whatever I wanted with it. So I professionally self-published. I knew that I was, I had been researching that for like the past three to four years mm -hmm. uh, prior to launching the book. I, as a businesswoman, I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to look at this as a very long-term thing. One of the things that really helped me to, to think kind of more like that the, that the book could have longevity is mm. the, the uh, five love languages. You know, it came out in 1992. Most people don't know that. Most people like discovered it yesterday. <laughs> and I That's just, so like, interesting. You're right. And, and it's like, and I remember it's in, it's in the zeitgeist. It, yes. Yeah. Totally. Every day, the lexicon of life and love. But I remember listening to a podcast. Again, this was in my research from Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of the Bible languages. And he said, he's like, I, he said that he had wished that he had self-published because I mean, how great would have that been? <laughs> had he, you know, even now, like, and so I, I thought about that and I thought, you know what? If I don't have any real expectations other than to talk about it to anyone who will listen, to share it freely, to put it out there as something that is a helpful tool, it's true. Maybe not everybody's going to ever hear about it, but some people will. And again, that helping, that idea. And you're that, proud you know, of it. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. And, and it's and it's like, it's my voice. It's my thoughts. It's the, the work that I've done with clients since 2003, I remember 
just kind of feeling like I need to put this out there in written format. Um, a lot of people had been asking if I had a book out. I was like, no, I'm going to wait until things slow down. Things don't slow down, no. They never <laughs> do. Yeah, <laughs> Especially not when, you know, when you say yes to everything like I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really proud of it. The book tour has been fun, which is the only way that I wanted to do it was to have it be fun. It, yeah. it is one of those things where every single book tour stop. I'm pairing up with a female entrepreneur, somebody who um, wants to, who is a small business who wants to promote it. I link up with them and we come up with a really fun event and a fun idea. Nice. The one that we have coming up in June is uh, in Denver. And I'm doing an event with uh, Venetia, the urban seductress. And mm. she does some really great empowering dance classes that kind of help with femininity and sexuality or or feminine masculinity, like all of that, like it's just to empower yourself. Very cool. And, and uh, it's, it's great. It's to, it's to kind of get into your body and understand and own your sexy is the name of the event. So Love it. that's not something I could have ever done with a traditional <laughs> publisher. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that you get to kind of create the vision for yourself, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. And uh, I get I think to that's... do it with flexibility, which is yeah. actually one of the, most valuable pieces of control in my life. It's to be able to have flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. another reason that I was drawn towards therapy. And and I knew that I wanted to go into private practice was because I, I, again, I knew I wanted to have love and I knew I wanted to have a family and I figured, you know, and in private practice, I'd be able to make that happen and, and be flexible. And it has been exactly more than more than what I hoped and expected, but it is, it's just a wonderful thing. And, you know, I, I feel like I have a good head on my shoulders still. I feel like I still know that my path is to help people who are experiencing emotional and physical intimacy issues and <laughs> relationship issues. And that hasn't changed with anything that's going on. I've, I've held on really tight to my private practice and, you know, I, I found some really great relevant partnerships that I'm excited about and to be excited about my profession you know nearly 20 years down the road like that's that's awesome i feel like that's a huge win for me that's <laughs> amazing it's you know we can all hope and dream to have that uh, in our lives mm-hmm. it's beautiful are you are you coming out to southern california on your book tour so uh i i have plans to go to san francisco but okay I might, and of course, LA, that's a given because I'm always over there, but um, right. I did also kind of want to do San Diego, but it just seems like the, the cities are piling up. <laughs> what yeah. am I going to do this? <laughs> yeah, it, it's difficult to do all of that, but um, we'll see. I mean, again, I can be doing this for the next few years if I wanted to. There's no, why not? There's really no end in sight. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? I love it. I love it. Um well, let's let's transition into our empathy heroes. I sort of forecasted this earlier. This is the part of the show where you, Viviana, and I mention someone in our lives who is an empathy hero. Empathetic, compassionate, feely, there for us, sees us, hears us, all those things. I will go first. Uh, I mentioned her earlier, but it's Natalie from my recent uh, Feely Human Empathy Workshop. Um, I feel so lucky and grateful that I get to connect and uh, be witness to beautiful moments of 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 recognition that like we as humans 
uh, have value and worth and are enough and and are not alone. Uh, and it's beautiful. And I, I'm grateful that I get to be a part of it. And so, Natalie, uh, if you're listening to this, you're my empathy hero this week. Oh, that's really sweet. So the person that came to mind immediately is my best friend slash cousin, Angel. She, um, oh, you're going to make me cry already. <laughs> um, she just, she knows how to, she knows how to raise me up if I need it. And she also knows, again, how to ground me, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she knows how to do it in a way that preserves our relationship. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people know how to do that. Yeah. And she is not just like that with me. She's like that for lots of people, friends and family. And so she definitely has a gift. And the fact that I'm able to call my best friend, my, my cousin and my cousin, my best friend, I just feel like <laughs> it's really, really special for me. And, um, and so Angel, you are my empathy hero. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. We all need an angel in our lives. Uh, wonderful. Uh, well, Dr. Viviana, where can the lovely feely humans out there connect with you? Obviously order your book for intimacy styles, et cetera. Awesome. Well, yes, all the feely humans out there, please uh, join me online or on my website at Dr. Viviana, just spell it out. Dr. Viviana is V-I-B-I-A-N-A. Um, there are so many free resources on my website. I would love for people to, uh, to check in with my podcast appearances. Your podcast link will be on there. So people will definitely be able to hear this podcast for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, there's, I have a retreat coming up with Erosante retreats. We're going to be doing intimacy retreats for couples, luxury intimacy retreats was another dream come true for me. So yeah, there's a lot going on. I'm, I'm just super excited uh, to connect with all of you. I love hearing from every single person. Send me an email, send me a DM. As long as you're respectful, I will totally respond. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you so much for the opportunity now. Oh, it was a pleasure, Dr. Viviana. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Empathy.